There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, let's get this geezer out quick so we can bring in the lesbian gladiators. The Stream Police Podcast is brought to you by OverdueReview.com. Since 2013, the staff at Overdue Review have written opinions on hundreds of movies, TV shows, and albums. But less than a dozen have made the Five Star Club. To see which titles have been given perfect grades, click to the Five Star Club page at OverdueReview.com. Overdue Review. Better late. Welcome in once again, friends, to another edition of the Stream Police Podcast, where we take a look at all of the uh, movies, TV shows, and music that are out there streaming right now, and kind of pick out the ones that you should add onto your list, because God knows we only have a short amount of time every week to watch shows, to watch movies, to listen to, you know, to listen to new records, to listen to new playlists, uh, so we try to uh, sift through the crap and give you the good stuff right here. On the stream, police. I'm Clint Davis from OverdueReview.com, the movies and TV editor over there at the website. And uh, in a little bit, we'll hear from our music editor, Andy Sedlak, hear what he's got on the list this week. I can't thank you enough for uh, listening to the show, though. We're 10 episodes in now and having a lot of fun. Uh, every two weeks, we put this out. So, all right, let's go ahead and, uh, and get into it here after I light my stogie of the week. All right, what am I smoking this week? We got a Tabac Especial by Drew Estates. I really like these guys a lot. And the Stogie of the Week is something I've been doing every week on this show, just kind of like as a scene setter, and it just gets me, you know, it's something that relaxes me before I go on these diatribes about TV shows and get worked up. Uh, But one of our most dedicated listeners, Eric in Cincinnati, he wanted me to, he, he said he had a piece of feedback about the Stogie of the Week. He said either it needs to be expanded and you need to talk about the Stogie and give me a, 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 a taste of what it's like, what you are breathing in there in your closet, or you got to cut it because I want more. I want more of the Stogie of the Week. So I'm going to tell you right now, Tobacco Special by Drew Estates is what I'm smoking, smoking this week. Let me light her up. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. If you like something smooth, very smooth, it's infused with coffee and definitely tastes like it. So it's kind of like smoking a fine cup of coffee, but actually it like tastes way better than that sounds. I guess smoking a cup of coffee doesn't sound that good, but it does taste good. Uh, the, the roll leaves a little bit to be desired because I'm going to be spitting paper here toward the end. I know because I smoked these before, but a very nice smoke, Tobacco Special by Drew Estates. So there you go, Eric. A little bit more on the Stogie of the Week. All right, let's get into the meat of the program. And uh, this week, I'm going to take like a mini series centric 
view uh, on the media landscape. We're going to talk quite a little bit about some of the good miniseries that are out there right now on Amazon, Hulu, and Netflix. Um, and, and one that just wrapped up not that long ago on HBO that I'm going to talk about as well. Um, but first, I want to start with something that I noticed when I was going back and watching um, one of the uh, really one of the best TV comedies of recent memory, Parks and Recreation from NBC. Uh, going back and I am watching for the first time this series all the way through. It, it was one that I, I didn't watch when it was on, frankly, because I thought it was kind of just a copy of The Office. And I was watching The Office at the time, as many people were. And I really didn't want to watch a copy of The Office. Um, but. I mean, I am sorely, like, I'm really upset at myself that I did not give this show its fair due until now. But the wife and I are going back through and watching the entire series. And uh, I'll give you a report on it when we're all wrapped up and kind of the highs and the lows. But uh, I'm just loving the show. And I think it's, it's better than The Office, actually, the American Office anyways. But I was watching Parks and Rec the other day. And I noticed something that there was a joke in there, a scene that to me was identical to two other shows that I've seen this exact same scene in. And it was it made me want to do a segment called Three Shows, One Joke. All right. So, as I said, I'm watching Parks and Recreation the other day. I'm watching an episode from season three. All right. And they did a scene that reminded me almost verbatim of a scene from The Simpsons and a scene from Family Guy after The Simpsons did it. And it basically is just a riff on how TV writers lampoon FM radio jocks, which is a position that I hold near and dear to my own heart. And I know so does uh, Andy Sedlak. In the episode of Parks and Recreation in Season 3, the episode's called Media Blitz, I believe, if you want to go and watch it yourself on Netflix or Amazon. Uh, Leslie Nope, the character played by um, Amy Poehler, uh, she goes on to an FM morning show because she's trying to promote a festival that the parks department that she works for is organizing. And the radio show that she goes on is one on on this FM station in this small town in Indiana that they live in. The show is called Crazy Ira and the Douche. And Crazy Ira and the Douche are these two radio personalities played by comedians Matt Besser and Nick Kroll. And th- these guys were really good in the scene. They played off of each other very well. Basically, what they were doing is they're just inserting like these ham-fisted sexual innuendos into basically every single sentence that they utter on the air. It is going to be next month right here in Pawnee, and spoiler alert, it's going to have the best corn maze ever. You lost your virginity in a corn maze, didn't you, Dick? Oh, that's right, to your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Raising Ira! Clean your room! There's also going to be Hayride. Hayride me, is what Crazy Ira's mom said. Stop it! (laughs) As you can tell from that clip, obviously their minds are in the gutter, but what really stuck out to me in this scene was the obsession of these two radio jocks with fart jokes and, like, fart sound effects. Crazy Ira and the douche. I mean, you point seven. You know why I'd never be an astronaut? Two words, space farts. <laughs> you can't roll down the window of the shuttle. Am I right, folks? Houston, <laughs> we have a... <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that, Neil Armstrong? It's one small for man, one giant for man. <laughs> and when I heard that scene, and I heard like all the flatulence that they were letting out uh, over the air, it took me back to an episode of The Simpsons from 1999 when Mr. Burns was trying to improve his public image and become like a hero in Springfield. Uh, so he goes on an FM morning show called Jerry Rude and the Bathroom Bunch. This is what happened in that scene. All right, let's get this geezer out quick so we can bring in the lesbian gladiators. When was your first gay experience? 
Oh, well, when I was six, my father took me on a picnic. That was a gay old time. Oh, I ate my share of wieners that day. Oh, that sounds lovely. Queer. Queer. Monty, I've heard you're a pretty flatulent guy. Any comment on that? No, no, see here. Stop that. Attention, wireless listeners. Most of the sounds you are now hearing are not being made by me. Do oh, stop. Stop. Won't someone please stop the farting? Don't worry, folks. He's not dead. I still hear some faint sounds of life. So what I'm getting at here is how comedy writers, maybe subconsciously or maybe it is conscious, they rip each other off because both scenes are exactly, almost exactly the same. You have two naive guests making ill-conceived visits to these local knucklehead radio shows thinking that they're going to be able to discuss real issues or open up personally and like appeal to the public that's listening. But instead, they get blasted with a bunch of fart sounds. And I was laughing a lot at both scenes and the way that both shows did that riff on like FM morning radio jobs. But in all my years of working in and listening to radio, I spent uh, you know a lot of years in my early in my career working in radio, and I've always listened to radio. I've like really never heard a ton of fart material at the local radio level. Maybe it's just you know you hear it on Stern a lot, but not really at like the local level where these guys are. And you know I guess it's just an easy way to like broad stroke morning radio as a whole. But you know it really. This stuck out to me even more because as I thought about it more, The Simpsons and Parks and Rec and how they had this exact same scene, I was reminded of another scene from another series that was basically exactly the same. Family Guy in 2006 had an episode where in in part of the episode, Brian and Stewie host a radio show. And this is what it sounds like. Hey, what's up, Cohog? From the station that reaches the beaches, you're listening to Dingo and the Baby. Dingo and the Baby, 97.1 Cohog. What the hell are you doing? What, what the hell does that have to do with anything? They're just wacky sounds, you know, to liven things up. Notice the common thread there. So we have basically the same comedy scene in shows from 1999, 2006, and 2011. So I'd say we're about due for another network TV comedy to get back into the radio booth and hit us with the exact same scene, naive guest, fart noises, rude jock, the whole thing. I think of all the shows that are on right now, maybe Modern Family or Brooklyn Nine-Nine would be like the most likely candidates uh, to do this scene again. So I'm looking for somebody else to recreate it once again on network TV as Parks and Rec, Family Guy, and The Simpsons have done in recent years. Um, All right. So I just I wanted to start the show on a light note with that. Let's go a little bit heavier now. In fact, let's go way heavy and talk about a miniseries that, and I don't want to say way heavy, like this is a show that's going to drag you down, because really it doesn't. It is a show that, that you know, does get at your heart a couple of times, and, and it's really it's just a slice-of-life show. A miniseries that was on HBO uh, earlier this year called Olive Kittredge. It starred a bunch of great actors. We've got uh, Francis McDormand, the Oscar winner from the movie Fargo. We've got uh, Richard Jenkins, who played the the patriarch of the Fisher family in HBO's Six Feet Under, one of my favorite series ever on that network. Um, We've got Bill Murray, who's been nominated for an Emmy for a short role that he has in this uh, in this show, we got the guy who plays the Riddler in uh, the, in Gotham on Fox. He shows up and does a very nice dramatic turn um, in this series. I apologize, I don't remember his name, but anyways, Olive Kittredge. It was on not that long ago on HBO, and I just got around to watching it on HBO Go, which is where it's streaming now. So if you don't have HBO Go, you won't be able to watch this right now unless you go out and like rent it somewhere on DVD or Blu-ray or buy it or whatever. But um, 
a, a good show, and I'll get into what's what's good and what's not so great about it. It's a four-part miniseries that spans 25 years from the middle toward the end of a woman's life who lives in Maine. Her name is Olive Kittredge, played by Frances McDormand. The revelation of the show, though, is totally its acting, not really its plotting, even though its plotting is is fine. Every episode kind of covers like a different point in her life as we you know move through her years into her um, into her twilight years, I guess I would say. But every cast member, and I literally, I mean every single one of the cast members in this miniseries pulls their weight, starting at the top with Francis McDormand and Richard Jenkins. Those two actors really, like, melded into their parts perfectly. I mean, you you know you're watching good acting, as the old adage goes, when you forget that you're watching actors. And with McDormand and Jenkins, I really felt like I was watching these people. I mean, it could have been a documentary uh, for for all I knew. I mean, they were just they were fantastic in their parts, and I bought them one hundred percent. And what I thought was so fantastic about this miniseries is that its tone was so mellow, and its direction was like so precise. Um, because you know, so often it's it's all about you know when you've only got four hours to tell a story, you got to rush through things, and you you've got to um, you know you've got to have all these exciting moments happen to make it memorable. But this one is really very deliberate. I felt like the entire narrative was so under control, um, especially the character development, which was realistic, and it spanned the entire cast. I mean, really every character that was given a few lines ended up being dynamic in some way. Uh, whether it was just they were in one scene and they grew a little bit or they were in all four of them and they grew a lot over that time and we got to understand why they were the way they were. Almost every character showed growth and change over the four episodes, even the ones that only made like one or, you know, a couple appearances. Um, The thing, though, if you're going to watch Olive Kittredge, don't expect any high drama. Like, don't expect, like, Downton Abbey, um, gasp-worthy moments or anything like that. And don't expect any, like, heart-stopping moments either, because there just aren't any. I mean, this this, this show is really about life on film, is what it's all about. The, the miniseries was based on a Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, which I haven't read. My wife's reading it now, but... Um, I actually haven't read it, but it's truly a character study, not only of of the title character, Olive, but of her husband as well, and their son, and a few other characters we really get deep into. Uh, it's it's really true to life, though. Its characters are likable sometimes, but not so likable other times. Like, there are no characters that you love the whole way through. At least I, did, I felt that way. Um, some characters are just too nice. Some characters are just too mean. Um, you know, some characters are jerks in one scene, and then they're great in the next scene, and you totally get where they're coming from. Just like real life, you know, there are people that you like one day and then you can't stand them the next day. Um, Olive, though, the main character is the definition of prickly. Um, But she does have a few brief moments that make her so endearing without appealing to cheap sentimentality, which I really admired about this show. It's very careful in the way that it develops its characters and, and in the way that they open up, because Olive is not a very likable main character. And Olive's husband, played by Richard Jenkins, is a pushover. He's the the total opposite of her. He's always wearing rose-tinted glasses, and he's got such an inviting spirit that you can't help but align with him in the first episode, which is really – the first episode is really all about – all about uh, Mr. Kittredge, not really about Olive so much. Um, like I said, the novel that was this, this was based on won a Pulitzer, and the small town atmosphere of it, and like the collection of unique characters that you feel like are three dimensional, even though you get to know some of them just very briefly, reminded me a lot of Sherwood Anderson's uh, novel Winesburg, Ohio. I don't know if you ever read that, but um, that's one of my old favorites. And it, it's really it is it's like a, just a collection in a small town of interesting characters, and we're getting to know what's going on in their lives just in brief flashes, but 
the main characters, we get to know them very deeply. Um, it's got elements of period drama. So if you are the kind of viewer that you like to watch costuming from the 1980s and 90s, not like flashy costuming, but, you know, main small town costuming from the 80s and 90s, you'll like to see that. You'll, you'll like the visuals of the show, at least. And if you grew up in a small town and you're nostalgic for that kind of thing, you'll also, I think, like this show because it does have a it's got a really nice small town atmosphere um, in the series. Um, And if you're looking for a show like to recommend your parents or your grandparents, that's actually smart TV, but it's not too hardcore, like too in their face. This one's perfect. I know I struggle with that sometimes, like especially my grandparents trying to tell them about shows that I think they're going to enjoy. But ones that aren't going to like completely turn them off because it's like nonstop cursing or sex or whatever that we want to see. But maybe they don't really want to see it, but they want to watch a good show. Olive Kittredge is one of those rare ones that I feel like you can recommend to the parents, the grandparents. And they'll really, I think, enjoy it and they'll really like what it has to say and what's going on. And it's a smart show and you can talk about it. Um, All the episodes are rated TV 14 except for number three which uh, is rated TVMA just for a ton of cursing from, like, one shocking scene that it has in it. But, um, like I said, they're all TV-14 other than that. So if you're looking for something a little bit more tame than the usual miniseries or HBO show, Olive Kittredge is a good one. And it really uh, – I I, I really recommend it highly. If you like something that's slow-paced – calming, um, small-town atmosphere, period drama, that kind of thing, and a, a, a character study. Don't get into it if you want action. Don't get into it if you want laughs. There really aren't many of those. Uh, but get into it if you want to see a slice of life on TV because it's, it's good. And it's four hours, not too much of an investment these days. But it is now on HBO Go, and hopefully it'll show up on Amazon's uh, HBO agreement as well. Coming soon. What do you think of Dr. Sue, Kevin? Ollie, don't put him on a spot like that. His field is psychology. He's seen all the types. Do you think she'll make Christopher happy? I don't know. It depends on what Christopher wants. I don't know what he wants. What do you think he wants, Henry? I think he wants to be loved. So it doesn't matter if she's not nice. She's nice, and she loves him very much. Well, the two don't always go together. Uh, I'm not very nice to you, Henry. That's <laughs> true. And are you happy? <laughs> Happy as a clam, Ollie. Yeah, there you go. Happy, happy, happy. (laughs) All right, I'm going to rest for a minute, take a uh, break and smoke my stogie a little bit longer and pass things over to Andy Sedlak, our music editor at OverdueReview.com. Let's hear what he's got in the hopper this week. Take it away, Andy. All right, guys, what's going on? Great to be with you once again. I want to start by acknowledging the passing of an absolute legend. I also want to talk about why I respected him so much. I'm talking about the legendary um, music producer Bob Johnston. Now, Johnston died back on uh, August 14th in Nashville. He's 83 years old, passed away peacefully in his sleep. Uh, I believe he's in uh, hospice care. Um, Not a bad way to go, which is good for him. I respected him because Johnston... Uh, produced a lot of records for Bob Dylan, whose music totally changed my life. Johnson, in fact, oversaw a lot of the records that people tend to think of when they think about Dylan. That's Blonde on Blonde. That's Highway 61. Although he did not, he did not produce like a Rolling Stone. He did the rest of the record. And that includes, uh, you know, just like Tom Thumb's Blues, Desolation Row, Tombstone Blues, uh, Ballad of a Thin Man. The list goes on and on. Something is happening and you don't know what it is. 
do you, Mr. Jones? He and Dylan stuck together through an album called New Morning, which was released in 1970. They did a total of six albums together. That's a lot. I mean, that's a ton. Uh, Jimmy Iovine, music mogul Jimmy Iovine, former producer himself, once said that you should shoot your producer (laughs) after three albums. But Johnston oftentimes worked well past that, that, that three album, uh, mark. Uh, and he worked with the same artist over and over again. He did seven records with Johnny cash, including live at Folsom prison, which was a game changer. And also at San Quentin, that record gave us this track. Well, my daddy left home when I was three, and he didn't leave much to Ma and me. Just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. Now, I don't blame him because he run and hid, but the meanest thing that he ever did was before he left, he went and named me Sue. Now, Johnson did uh, four albums with Flat and Scruggs. He did seven, seven with Marty Robbins did three with Leonard Cohen. He just did two with Simon and Garfunkel, but they are both classics. And remarkably, both came out the same year. Sounds of Silence and Parsley Sage, Rosemary and Time, both released in 1966. On a tour, one night stands my suitcase and guitar in hand. And every stop is neatly planned for a poet and a one-man band. Homeward bound. Finally, I respected Johnston for his approach. And without sounding too, I don't know, uh, I don't know what the word is, cheesy or authoritative or all-knowing or whatever, when you read about him, he seemed to put artists first, which is what you should do as a producer, Um but that's also famously not always the way it goes. Um, the same may be true, by the way, in your job. Uh, but Johnston was the good cop, so to speak. His reputation is that he would sort of set certain pieces in place and then step back to let his artists work. He, I think he learned to recognize uh, when somebody was on a creative role, almost like, what do you need? Okay, here you go. Have at it. He wasn't flashy like Spectre. He was more of a co-conspirator, not an inhibitor, but an encourager. Again, that's rarer than you might think. Think of uh, uh, Kesha and Dr. Luke. God bless Bob Johnston and the work that he did. Well, he'll stone you when you're trying to be so good. They'll stone you just like they said they would. They'll stone you when you're trying to go home. They'll stone you when you're there all alone. But I would not feel so all alone. Everybody must get stoned. So it looks like Dr. Dre's surprise comeback album will not be a number one record. Uh, Compton debuted at number two. Luke Bryan's Kill the Lights. Kick the dust up. Kept Dre off the throne. At least that particular throne. (laughs) 
That was a bit of a surprise, but then again, it wasn't. What have I said a hundred times? Country fans still buy albums. And this one was a pretty big uh, album itself. Luke Bryan's first week sales were the biggest in three years. Another caveat to mention, Dre's record could only be purchased or uh, streamed through Apple initially. If you wanted it, you had two options. It's either iTunes or Apple Music. And it will be released in a physical form. I don't think it has been yet. Uh, if so, I haven't seen it. Um, but to my surprise, Dre has never had a number one album. I, I did not know that until I you know, started digging a little bit. The Chronic peaked at number three back in 1993. and 2001, came a little closer, uh, but it could get any higher than number two in 1999. So yes, at this point, it's very possible that he rides off into the sunset without a number one album. I want to talk about Luke Bryan. Kick the dust up. Fun fact about Luke Bryan. He met his wife at a bar called Dingus McGee's. Kick the dust up. I just think he's kind of dopey. That's my opinion. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I think he's dopey. I listen to those songs, and they're just scrub-free of all roughness or natural musicianship. They're big. They're safe. They're generally full of it, uh, in my opinion. They're neither reflective of actual life nor grand enough to sort of represent an escape <laughs> you know they're they're just middle of the freaking road and, and that's so hard to listen to sometimes I, I think maybe the problem is that this stuff is just planned commercial maybe that's it maybe it's just it's it, that planned commercial route can seem so heartless um well but but then again I don't know let me let me back up you know it, it has worked before I guess I'm thinking of Springsteen's dancing in the dark uh I mean, do you know how that song was written? His manager came up to him and asked him to write a freaking hit, and that's what he wrote. It was planned commercial. So maybe I'm a hypocrite. I don't know. But somehow Luke Bryan seems different. Uh, I can tell you this. I don't like the way he talks about music. It's a serious American dream that's happening, and I want to enjoy it and, and really you know, relish in how awesome it is. He's obviously having a good time. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you're that big, you ought to have your sights set on something a little bigger. Something other than, golly, this is awesome. Which seems to be what you hear from him over and over again. I mean, Luke, do you want to be an artist or an entertainer? My guess is entertainer. A guy like Springsteen is an artist. So, you know, to come full circle, maybe that is the difference. I'm just thinking out loud. Maybe I think too hard about it. My wife tells me oftentimes that uh, I do. You guys know Donald Trump, right? Excuse me. Sit down. You weren't called. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Well, Ricky Martin hates him. Obviously, Trump has had issues uh, with Univision lately, and Martin wrote an op-ed for them saying, from the beginning, his intention was transparent. Basically, tell lies to remain relevant in the public opinion for votes or simply to stay on the media's radar. It goes on and on. I encourage you to uh, to, to look it up on Billboard.com. Kind of an interesting piece and a different uh, voice or angle from Ricky Martin. Uh, hey, I opened a can of worms in our last podcast, I think. We started talking about unpopular opinions about very popular bands. I mentioned that I did not love Led Zeppelin. Uh, but mentioned that I wanted to hear from you also. So, you know, you know, the question was which universally popular bands or artists 
do you not care for? And we got some responses. My good friend uh, Sean Martin uh, dropped a bomb on us, mentioned uh, Pink Floyd. <laughs> and I admire his courage. We now live in a more honest world. Uh, my, my co-conspirator here, Overdue Zone, Clint Davis, got in touch uh, with me. He had a list of bands that he felt that way about. Uh, let me read these off, and I want you to think about what he says. Okay? I mentioned I didn't really care for Radiohead. He says, completely agree on Radiohead. I like Kid A, but listen to OK Computer three times over. Trying to figure out what was wrong with me for not liking it, but it just never moved me. Don't get the acclaim of that band. There's a guy, again, this whole thing, you know, music snobs are so obnoxious. Here's a guy who clearly knows music, Clint knows music, enjoys music, thinks about music, takes it seriously. It's, 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 you know, he's well-versed, well-read. Hey, he just didn't like this band, but here he is listening to, uh, to OK Computer. He don't like it, and he thinks that something is wrong with him <laughs> you know, for not liking it. That's just that's just the way this stuff goes, you know? He goes on, though. He mentions a few more bands. He said he never liked really anything by uh, Queen, especially Bohemian Rhapsody. He wrote in his email to me, just too damn theatrical for my taste. He also mentioned the Eagles. It may be the biggest band to fall into this category for my, my partner here, U2. He writes to me, I just never got into anything in their catalog aside from war and a few cuts from other records. Just don't love their stuff. Again, opinions like these make the world a more honest place. I will throw out another one. Joni Mitchell. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. Her work absolutely makes my skin crawl. Always has. All right, here are five tunes that will get you through the week. I love every single one of them. The first is This Little Girl by Gary U.S. Bonds. The second is Mama Tried. I especially like the version by the Everly Brothers. Mama tried to raise me better, but her pleading I denied. That means only to blame, cause Mama tried. Third, we have uh, Shut Up and Drive from Rihanna. Shut up and drive. Second is Ticking Away from Tim McGraw. It's just the clock on the wall. But it's ticking away. And finally, a song I've always thought was just so cool. Uh, it was used as a theme song for the Drew Carey Show for a while from 1966. It's 5 O'Clock World by the Vogues. guys now you're on your own good luck this mother's day celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from blue nile whether it's for your mom a mother figure or yourself as a mom find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation explore blue nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, thank you much, Andy. Very much appreciated. You can read, obviously, more long-form album reviews from Andy over at OverdueReview.com. You can also read my thoughts on movies, TV shows there as well. And if you go to the website, you can see our first-ever video review, something I've been wanting to do since I started the website um, uh, almost three years ago now, and uh, finally got to sit down, do a video review, take the time to make it good, and I did one on 1999's Payback, which starred Mel Gibson. I talked about it a couple episodes ago here on this show. Talked about that movie. If you want to see my video review, though, you want to see what I look like, I guess, go to uh, OverdueReview.com and check it out there. Payback uh, from 1999 with a video attached to it. Um, Before I roll on along here, I do want to mention real quick that uh, if you guys could please go onto iTunes and rate the show, five stars, please. Uh, That would be much appreciated. Uh, Several of you have done that, and it does. It it looks great when you go to iTunes and you see those those nice five stars and those great reviews you guys have given us. Really appreciate it. And and please spread the word of the show. We don't have any advertising. We don't have – we do not, like, promote it anywhere, put any money into promoting it anywhere. So it's, like, it's really important, this word-of-mouth stuff and and getting it out there. If you have friends who really are into movies and TV – and they're looking for something to listen to on their commute or whatever. I think uh, I, I think our show's as good as any of them out there, if not better, than the ones I've listened to that cover the same kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, please go into the iTunes store and give us a review. It's definitely uh, very important. All right, uh, streaming recommendations. Usually right now I, I'm going to just give you – I give you Netflix recommendations, movies that are on Netflix that you need to check out. But this week, since I was talking about Olive Kittredge, it got me thinking about miniseries specifically – and what are some of the best miniseries that right now are streaming on Amazon, Netflix, and Hulu? Now, the miniseries to me is like the most perfect medium to tell a visual story. It's it's long enough to get really into a meaningful story. It's not like a 90-minute movie where they have to cut everything so short and cut a bunch of stuff out when they're adapting books and all that kind of thing. Um, but it's you know not too long to where it feels like it's just exhausting to even sit down and try to watch it. You know, usually four to ten hours at the top end um, are what you're going to spend on these, and I think it's good enough. The whole the season this, the story wraps up in a season usually, and you know we're moving on. Although that definition is just, that definition is kind of changing now. I should say um, with, uh, with with some mini series, and they're called limited series. Now, actually, because the the term miniseries, for whatever reason, has, became like a dirty word a few years ago because people thought they were just melodrama uh, uh, shows like the Thornbirds, but that's not really what a miniseries is anymore. All right, so the best miniseries that right now that I've seen that are streaming on Amazon, Netflix, and Hulu. I'm not going to recommend anything that I have not seen. So there are some on here that I'm, I'm not mentioning that I'm sure are great that are just uh, they have been on my list for a while. These are the ones I've seen that I can give you a big recommendation of. All right, if you've got Amazon Prime. I've got three for you on Amazon Prime that 
I, th- I think are fantastic miniseries that won't take you too much time. Number one, a BBC miniseries called The Hour from 2011. The show's called The Hour. It stars Dominic West from The Wire and Ben Wishaw from uh, – he, he played Q in, uh, in Skyfall and in the new Bond movie. He's going to play Q again. Uh, they star as TV news personalities in 1950s Great Britain. And the show is set against a fictional, hard-hitting news magazine show called The Hour – and it sees these two journalists at odds with each other. There's also there's a third main character. She's a female um, uh, who works on the show as well. I believe she's a, a producer, if I remember correctly. And there's kind of a love triangle element, but really they're all just kind of at odds with each other with their styles on the air, their styles of reporting. And also they're at, the, at odds with their bosses and powerful like government figures that they're investigating on the show. The show's part romantic drama part making of TV and part spy thriller. And it's a 1950s, as I said, period piece. So it's got great costuming, cool music. It's a, it's a cool show. There's two seasons of it of six episodes each. Um, the, the first season I thought was very, very strong. Um, and, and I definitely would recommend sitting down and you don't have to get into the second season if you don't want to, if you just want to watch the six hours, you can do that. And I think you'll just be just as satisfied in the miniseries format. So the hours, the first one I'm going to recommend for Amazon users also on Amazon. This one is also actually on Netflix. So Amazon or Netflix, American Horror Story Coven. Now I'm going to count this as a miniseries, even though it's 13 episodes and this is a series that does have a couple of callbacks to other seasons in American uh, Horror Story. But I'm going to call it a miniseries because the storyline does wrap up in one season. To me, this is the best season this show has done. And this was one of my favorite seasons of TV in recent memory. It had scares in it. It had great characters, great female characters that I loved watching that I got really into. Just really cool, funny, um, well-written. Just this is To me, this is the best that this show is capable of. The best that we've seen anyways. It's, it's the standout season from American Horror Story. It's season three of that show if you're looking for it on Netflix. But American Horror Story Coven. Really recommend that one as well if you're looking to get into a miniseries that will be over in 13 hours for that case. Uh, a shorter one here. Seven episodes of one hour each that's on Amazon Prime right now. John Adams. This one is from HBO. It stars Paul Giamatti as John Adams, former U.S. president, and Laura Lenny as his wife, Abigail Adams. It covers Adams' life and America in the 1770s through his presidency and death. It doesn't get into like his childhood and everything, but it, it goes basically from him being an attorney in you know what today is Massachusetts to you know him becoming president and him you know dying and obviously him taking part in uh being one of the founding fathers there in 1776. So it, it's got a lot I mean it's a really cool show because it makes interesting characters out of Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, and George Washington to a lesser degree. He doesn't really become a real character. He's kind of the 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 tall respected authority figure that we all understand and be but Jefferson and Franklin are really interesting in how they're portrayed. Uh, there's just something about seeing these guys living, talking and walking around that I feel like gives any American like a nice swell of pride. Um, and interestingly, the, the, uh, the, the miniseries John Adams was directed by Tom Hooper, who's a Brit and was uh, most famous for directing the Academy Award winning movie, The King's Speech. Um, so John Adams, very good. Couldn't recommend it more. Um, and it's a pretty fast seven hours that flies by. But once again, it's a show that's kind of like Olive Kittredge. Not a lot of action. But if you're a history nerd, you will get all over John Adams. It's really cool. And it's on Amazon Prime right now. All right, let's move on to our friends on Netflix now. Three of my favorite 
miniseries that are right now available on Netflix. Netflix gets a lot of miniseries, but then they ended up they end up expiring, and you know you can't find them anymore. Prime Suspect was a great one that was on Netflix for a while, but they took it off. So. Not going to talk about that, I guess. Uh, but the ones that are on there right now, first I'm going to start with another BBC miniseries called Sherlock that started in 2010 and is still going now. This one, once again, I'm, this pushes the boundaries of what is acceptable to call a miniseries. But I'm going to say any show that's been on for three seasons and only has nine episodes, each season is three episodes long and each episode is about an hour and a half long. So really it's like a series of movies. Basically each episode is like its own season. Of the show, I feel like, because they they really wrap stories up in one long episode. Uh, The show is just great, though. It's it's really uh, a a great modern take on Sherlock Holmes, better than the modern take on Sherlock Holmes. I feel like that Guy Ritchie did with Robert Downey Jr. and uh, and Jude Law. This uh, stars Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman in the roles of Sherlock and Watson, Um, and it's just a cool show. Sherlock is. Sherlock's a dick in the show, and that's one of the things that I don't like so much about it. I mean, I do want to like Sherlock Holmes. I do want to admire him, but I guess it's a close representation of what's in the books. I admittedly never read any of the Sherlock Holmes books, but, uh, I mean, to me, from what I've heard, this is a very good representation of him. But, again, it's Sherlock Holmes in modern-day uh, Britain, and, and he's just a, a – he's like the Larry David of crime uh, – of detectives, basically. So uh, that is right now on Netflix, and it has been on Netflix for a while, so I don't think it's going anywhere. There are lives at stake, Sherlock. Actual human life. Just, just so I know, do you care about that at all? Well, caring about them helps save them. Nope. Then I'll continue not to make that mistake. And you find that easy, do you? Yes, very. Is that news to you? No. No. I've disappointed you. It's good. It's a good deduction, yeah. Don't make people into heroes, John. Heroes don't exist, and if they did, I wouldn't be one of them. Another one that comes from BBC and Sundance TV in America, Top of the Lake from 2013. This is a seven-episode miniseries uh, that is a a crime procedural investigative show starring Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men as an investigator who advocates uh, for children. She's looking into the case of a missing girl in a small community in New Zealand, and there are plenty of suspects to go around. Holly Hunter and Peter Mullen are co-stars in this uh, in this series, Moss does a great job, I feel like, as the lead. She really carries the show and proves that she can carry a show, as she did in Mad Men, too. Um, I mean, she, I think she stood out a lot of times as really the star of that show in a lot of ways. But uh, Peter Mullen is really intense. You might not know that name, but if you looked him up, he's probably a guy you recognize. He was in the last two Harry Potter films. He was in an underrated movie called Session 9 that I reviewed at OverdueReview.com uh, a couple years ago. But Mullen in this movie is very intense and frightening as the girl's domineering father, the missing girl. Um, and he ends up becoming a suspect pretty quickly in the uh, in, in the affair. Uh, the show was written and directed by Oscar winner Jane Campion, who did the piano back in the day. That was what she won her Oscar for, was writing the screenplay for that. And it's uh, it, it's a strong show. It's dark, but it's not really it's, – it's not too dark. It doesn't try to, like, slap you in the face um, and just shock you. Uh, but it, it, it's got enough darkness, but really it's another – it's a good character study of the uh, character that, uh, that Elizabeth Moss plays, this detective who is, as I said, advocating for children and in, on, on the trail of what's going on with – this girl. It's another kind of small town kind of show. Uh, one more on Netflix, a miniseries that right now is available there from 2011. This one is uh, was I first saw it on the Audience Network on 
that, that's available through DirecTV. It's called The Slap. And you might know that name because NBC did an American version of this. But I'm talking about the Australian version from 2011. It's eight episodes. As I said, it comes from Australia. It takes place in Australia about an incident of possible child abuse that happens at a party. And each episode of the show follows and gives the perspective of one of eight people who were present when the incident happened. And the incident is a slap. Somebody slaps a kid who is not the kid's parent, slaps him pretty hard, knocks him down, and it turns into this really nasty. It sounds like a stupid premise for a show, doesn't it? Like to make an eight-hour show about somebody slapping a kid at a party? It does sound stupid, and it sounds really light, I know, but the way that it is handled, it's directed in such a great uh, fashion. All these unknown actors really um, show up and carry their weight in the cast, and all the eight stories are pretty unique from each other and, and, and interesting, and it is cool to see the perspective, how each of them feels about what happened and what shapes that opinion. Um, I think it's one that can be it, it can be related. I mean, I, I understand why NBC did an American version of it because it's a strong story and it was based on a best selling book, too. I don't think that hurt anything. But the slap is right now on Netflix. The American version is on Hulu, but the slap, the really good one is on Netflix right now. Check that out. And actually, when I first saw the slap, I did a long form review of it uh, at OverdueReview.com. It was, I think, the first miniseries I ever reviewed on the website. So you can also go to the website and read that if you want to read more about the slap. All right, finally, let's get to the Hulu users. Uh, one of the Hulu is very light when it comes to miniseries. It does not have a lot of in the miniseries department right now, basically because of the networks that are hooked up there. I mean, networks, networks like NBC, ABC, Fox, they really don't do miniseries. Fox had Wayward Pines, which was a miniseries, I guess. Um, I think it was 12, 13 episodes. I didn't watch it, so I'm not going to sit here and recommend it, but that's on Hulu right now. I was going to promote American Crime again, but most of its episodes expired last weekend. Um, So you can look for that one if you like political commentary and shows that brood. Uh, But if you want to hear more about it, I spoke in depth about American Crime on episode two of The Stream Police. You can go back and listen to that. Hands down, the best miniseries on Hulu, though, right now is 2014's Fargo, which came from the FX network. It's a 10-episode show. It wraps up an entire storyline in one season. And i got to tell you, this was the most surprising show to me, one of the most surprising shows I've ever seen in terms of how much I liked it and how low my expectations were going in. Most of us, if you love American movies and you love 90s films, Fargo's probably one of your favorites. And if you love crime movies, it's got to be one of your favorites. It's it's a perfect film. So they when they said they were going to make a show out of it, I rolled my eyes just like most people did and said, how the hell can they do this? They're going to just sully the reputation of the show and it's just going to be a bunch of people standing around going, oh yeah, you betcha. Oh yeah. Hmm. They're going to be doing that for nine hours and not going anywhere. But my God, I, I'll tell you what, this show is as good if not better than the movie itself as a whole. Um, And and really, it was one of the best first seasons of any TV show that I've ever seen. And of last year, it was my favorite new show. I'd put it above above True Detective. The first season of True Detective, I'd put it above How to Get Away with Murder. I'd put it above Gotham. The new shows last year, Fargo was my favorite of all of them. And all 10 episodes right now are only available on Hulu. You can download them on Amazon. You have to pay for each one. But for free streaming, if you have a subscription to Hulu, Go on and catch up with Fargo because season two is going to start um, on October 12th, and you want to know it before then. Once again, it's a miniseries, so season two actually is going to take place like 20 years before season one. 
But it will help you, I think, in background. But Fargo season one is a marvel. Great acting from everyone. Um, it, it switches main characters about halfway through, which is kind of jarring, but all they do it in such a great way. And all the you love all the characters. They're great. And it has one of the best villains I've ever seen, who's played by Billy Bob Thornton. And I just, I mean, this dude, he will be in your nightmares for sure. Couldn't recommend Fargo anymore. I'd give it five stars for sure if I was reviewing it on the website. But we'll just say it's fantastic, and it's the best miniseries right now on Hulu, I'd say, hands down. So go and watch those ten episodes, and you'll thank me later for that. Your problem is you spent your whole life thinking there are rules. There aren't. We used to be gorillas. All we had is what we could take and defend. The truth is you're more of a man today than you yesterday how do you figure it's a red tide lester this life of ours the shit they make us eat day after day the boss the wife etc wearing us down if you don't stand up to it let them know you're still an ape deep down where it counts you're just gonna get washed away All right, that's going to wrap her up for this edition of the Stream Police Podcast. As always, check us out online at OverdueReview.com if you want more uh, long-form reviews of television shows, movies, and music as well. Go to the website. You can email me anytime at theclintdavis at gmail.com. Andy Sedlak, our music editor, can be reached at sedlakjournal at gmail.com. S-E-D-L-A-K journal at gmail.com. Um, and follow us uh, on Twitter as well, at Overdue underscore review. Um, all right, thank you guys very much for tuning in. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks right here on the Stream Police Podcast. Until then, take it easy, friends. The Stream Police Podcast is a production of OverdueReview.com. Since 2013, the staff at Overdue Review have written thoughtful, unpretentious opinions on hundreds of movies, TV shows, and music from every era. Overdue Review, better late. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.